Amen. You can have a seat. Um, hopefully you had a good opportunity to kind of ring in the new year in a great way. Um, on New Year's Eve, we had a chance to um, go and meet with a couple from our church uh, just to kind of catch up on some details of what God's doing in their life and just a time to kind of celebrate that news and to pray together and all that kind of stuff. Um, but while we were there with that family, they've got two young kids and uh, their son came in, and, and you could tell that he was kind of wanting the grown-ups to be done talking. You know how kids kind of get that look like, hey, they want us to be a part of the playtime. Um, so their son came in, and he said, hey, I, you know, before everybody leaves, I want to have a Nerf war. Now, I never have served in the military, and maybe that's the reason why. There weren't enough Nerf guns. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm enough former youth pastor that if I hear, hey, Nerf war, um, I'm all in. Now, let me, let me describe all in. Um, William is, is, he's five, is that right? He's almost six, okay. He's almost six, I'm north of six, okay? Age doesn't matter in Nerf War, it doesn't. And if, if, you, if you have mercy on your kids and, and you just let them shoot you all the time, you never shoot them, well, it's bad parenting. I'm just gonna say it, I just, that's how I feel. I'm not saying it's biblical truth, I'm just saying that's my opinion and, and we need to be clear about which one's which. Um, so we start this Nerf war. Now, um, William and I are, we're like, we're, we're just going at each other. It's, it's, it's a vicious one-on-one battle. Um, and I'm making moves. I'm cutting. I'm running around trees. Like, I've got a shield. It's not big. It's not this big. But, but it's, it's a shield. I'm blocking. I'm shooting. I, I made sure that I chose in all my years of Nerf wisdom which gun I had that was a quick, a quick reload so I could just absolutely just barrage this poor boy um, as he was trying to, like, stick single darts back into a gun. Um, and and right, right in the middle of it, as I'm kind of shooting him, shooting a couple other people, um, I had a member of my team, uh, I call her my wife, um, <laughs> she, decided to, uh, she decided to go rogue. And the way she went rogue is I'm just, I'm aimed at William, all of a sudden, I feel just right in the side of my Adam's apple, a dart from like eight feet away, like a kill shot. I mean, you know, sometimes there's certain places in your body, you don't have to get real, hit real hard, but just enough straight contact like stuns you, right? So I'm in the middle of a nerf fight, kind of making this sound, oh, like, like what, like what just happened here? And, and I look over and she's just like, I wasn't even aiming at you. Okay, I've been at home enough over the holidays to know with enough things she was aiming at me, okay? And I realized at that moment, um, I, was, I, was in, I was in the battle, but I wasn't all in because I wasn't really, like I was paying attention to one thing. I wasn't paying attention to everything. And that's a really kind of fun illustration of kind of where we're going to go um, over this series. Um, it's titled, it's, we're just calling it Goals um, because um, m- many times, I think, um, there are certain areas of our Christian life that maybe are easier to pay attention to than others. Sometimes we may really catch one thing, but we may not really take in everything. So what, we, what I want us to do together for a few weeks um, is just seize the moment of kind of beginning a year and, and pause and kind of really become aware of, of several things and make sure that we are as fully engaged as God would allow us to be. And, and I'm really excited because the way that we're going to see some of this stuff play out in Scripture 
I think is really going to be exciting. And it's not going to be necessarily just conventional. Like that's how we've, we've had it presented to us in the past. But I think it's really going to show us that there's a, there's a strong biblical truth um, each week to what we're going to be talking about. Now, um, this week, and, I, and as I say this, um, I, I want to I read a passage of Scripture. Um, normally, I, I, I have a notebook, and I can control what size uh, the font is when I print and all that good stuff. Um, I can't control this font, so today you all get to see me in my reading glasses. Um, I want to read a verse to you, because as, as we go through this series, I, I just, you know, to be a church family together, um, I, I always really hope that I get allowed to be um, your, your pastor. Now, on a, on a normal week, you may not feel like you need one. Um, and, and I can't necessarily argue with that because we're all called to be ministers of the gospel. Um, being a pastor doesn't mean that I should be spiritually smarter than anybody in the congregation. I want to make sure that I study and I show myself approved when I preach the word. Um, and I want to use the gifts that God's given me because as a church, um, I, could eat, I could very well do this not as my full-time job. But as a church, um, a family comes together and really redeems the time um, of, of a few people to, to allow us to serve hopefully really, really well and through hours that we would be working a job normally. Um, so some weeks you may, you may need me. You may call me because you're like, hey, there's something going on that specifically we kind of need to call in some reinforcements for. But if things are just normal, if things are just kind of smooth and rolling on, and, 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 and maybe just our main interaction is Sunday, I, I want to I read this verse to you. This is uh, out of 1 John chapter 1. Now, there's, I'm going to explain to you in a minute why. Uh, there's not going to be any verses on the screen today, any points. We will be going through verses. I will be making points. Uh, but none will be on the screen this morning. Um, 1, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses uh, 3 through 4, it says this, What? We have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Um, the goal every week when we come into church together, um, when, I, when, I, when I'm preparing and praying over a, a sermon and a message or maybe a series, um, I, I get the advantage many times of knowing in advance what um, God seems to be up to about us all learning and growing in something together. And then what really hopefully happens is then we're, we're released to our own lives during the weekend. We're also growing in the word alone with the Lord and, and with time with other believers. Um, so what I, what I want to let you know is, is that when I stand up here, really what John communicates really well is really the, is really the goal. Um, I want to share with you something that I, I want to I commit to you, and, and, and I want you to trust me, and I, or try to trust me at least, that, that what we go through on a Sunday morning is something that God's doing, and it's not something that me or other people are creating. Now, I don't know that um, I would enjoy the point being proven this way many weeks, but um, I, I'll, here's the, kind of the typical uh, process, okay? Um, you, you see me up here, and I've got a, I've got a nice um, leather notebook that I use a lot of times. And, and my scripture's in there, notes are in there and stuff. And <clears throat> as study and prep time and everything goes in that, you know, it, we, we go through God's word together. And, and many times after that Sunday, there's lots of conversations where I see evidence that God is confirming and affirming 
um, that, that that was the direction that he's, he's got us going as a people together, and we have conversations, and man, I hear lots of what God's doing, um, it, and, and there's lots of examples, and, and we just preached one sermon, and it's so neat. Um, this week, however, um, I believe that the message that, well, the message that's in the computer, I think it's a solid one, but we're not doing that one this morning. Um, I, I, I really believe, and last, last e- yesterday evening specifically, um, I got to go on kind of a little journey with the Lord where I, I believe that he, he had me study that and, and, and ne- that needed to take root and effect in preparation for some things that, that he, he just needed to break me on because he, he, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't necessarily fully processing this. It, it, it's not that this is aimed at you. It's, it's, it's not that it's, it's, it's too deep. It's just it, it, was, it was a process to go through because I really believe um, as of last night, and, and I didn't kill the tech people this morning to say, hey, we got to have these exact things in the computer. Um, so we're going to go through this in Scripture. But I, I'm, I'm excited because here's, here's the pressure. No, no pressure, right? Um, God, God really, I see evidence that God did this, so um, it's just I can't screw it up. Um, well, I could. I, that's, that's the pressure, I guess. Um, don't do anything that's too crazy. Um, yeah, these are my notes this morning, right? This is, fortunately, I had a piece of cardstock um, last night at home that we could start journeying through this. So here's where we're going to go today. We're going we're to look at three goals um, out of First John mainly, um, and this is going to be some hop around time. Okay, so um, as as you're if you got something you can take notes on, or if you want to kind of take notes and hear some of this a little bit later on, um, we've got a few notebooks back there at that back table, pens and stuff like that. If you're at home, grab a Bible. If you're listening to this, um, and and if you want to get up now to get any of that stuff, that's totally fine. But I want to I want to begin in First John chapter five. Now, when we look at First John. Um, there's some really great things that you can see if you study this, this book. Um, John, uh, the, the apostle John, the disciple, as he writes this, there's some things in 1 John that he, he really, res- I don't want to say he wrestles with, but there's a, there's a fine line. There, there's, a, there's a tension. You know what good tension is? Trampolines. Have you ever put a trampoline together? Man, that is one product that the instructions really do matter. I found that out. I found it out late at night one Christmas Eve. Um, when, when I got three-quarters of the way around and I couldn't get the spring stretched over, right? Like, that's aggravating. If you've ever been through that. So, so that, that's, what we, that's what we know as tension that's good because we want, we want to be able to have it catch our weight and elevate us, right? And, and there's a tension here in First John, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at it a little bit today, but, but this is a book that's really worth your study um, at, at some point as God leads you to it. So I want to start uh, in chapter 5, verse 3 to find this first goal that we're going to look at this morning. Um, for this is what love for God is. I, I really believe that as a, as a people, as a church, as Christians, that, that we want to begin a year with, with a heart set, a mindset to go, okay, I, yes, of course, big, obvious goal. I want to love the Lord. But many times in my walk with Jesus, I have been, I have functionally loved the Lord incorrectly. I've, 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 Try to love him through just what I can get done. And, and, and that's not a good way to love the Lord. So this verse really gets us to a point here. It says, for this is what love of God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Um, when, when we read this verse, it, it's, 
if, if we're kind of biased, if, we're, if, we, if we've been burned by religion, if we've been burned by people who have professed Jesus but, but not lived Jesus out, we hear a verse like that and go, okay, oh, so, so the way I love is, is to obey. Like, so I have to, kind of, I have to kind of just do what you say to, to prove that I love you. And, and, and that's really not the heart of that. In fact, what Jesus said was, if you love me, you'll, you'll keep my commands. See, when, when, when we are in intimate love with someone, have you ever noticed how, how much easier it is to, to serve that person? How, how, how much easier it is to think of them, how much easier it is to consider um, what we do in light of, of who they are and what they may need? When, when, when love is, is, is really in existence, and I don't mean um, feeling, like, right? Because um, great philosophers say that, that, that it's, it's hooked on a feeling, right? It's not really a philosopher, it's a song. Uh, you're, you're either old enough to know who the artist is or you've just seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but it, it's, love is not got, it can't function as a feeling. It, it's got to function as the processes of our life, the way our mind works. And, and, and here's, here's the great thing about this passage, and, and this is goal number one. As it says there, um, that this, is the love, this is what love of God is, to keep his commands, and, and, and here's the critical add-on, and his commands are not a burden. I, I really want this to be the first goal that we talk about this year is that following Jesus is, is joy. Because when we look into God's word, it, it is, I, would, I, I would not say, I would not even want to propose this morning that following Jesus in 2020, 2022 would be, used, would be described with the word easy. Because I have found that, if, that, that easy is not something that you can tag onto really following the Lord and keeping his commands. Because if Jesus is Lord, that means that, um, that, well, not even Jesus, just functioning in our life. Whoever or whatever is Lord will cause our lives to adapt to that person or that thing. So if Jesus is Lord, just like with everything else or anyone else, they'll have to be changed. And some of those changes for me in my lifetime have not been easy. Like there's already stuff that, that, that God has really deeply burdened me and really shown me that, that I need to do differently and things that I need to address in the upcoming weeks of my life that I'm cringing on. Because for part of it, I'm just going to have to just, I'm going to have to apologize as part of handling that. I don't, I don't love apologizing, but sometimes it, it's necessary if you want, really want to have an atmosphere of humility, right? So as we, as we go through these things, trust me, I, I don't want to hang the word easy, but, but I, I do believe through the peace that Jesus can give, I believe because of what love will become in us and, and what it really will do to change us, I do believe that following Jesus can be joy. I believe that living for him and doing the things that he calls us to do won't feel like just a heavy-weighted burden. Because Jesus will begin to change the way we think, what motivates us, what, what we value. God will open our hearts in so many different ways. Now, I, I love these words that are in this passage. We, we see the words conquer and victory. Now, um, just this, so you know what the, word, the Greek word for conquer and victory is? Nike. That's why I believe that occasionally I should preach in a pair of Jordans. It's just spiritual, right? It's, it's what that is. But, but it, as, as we see here, we, we, we were called, it says, because everyone who has been born of God, that's, that's, to, that's to save people, conquers the world. Now, to us, it's, oh, man, that, that's it. I'm, I'm going I'm to kick butt and take names in 2022. No, so when it talks about world so many times in the Scripture, it's not saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to climb the ladder at work. Um, you, you're going you're gonna to finally get over these financial burdens. You're gonna, 
the world represents a, a culture that is, that is monopolized and driven by sin. And as a child of God, as we serve him and it becomes our joy, then, then the conquering, the victory is over specifically sin in our life and the, the sin that would want to control us. We're going to talk about just the idea of how sin controls in just a few minutes, but, but that's really what this is aimed at. And it says the victory that has conquered the world. What, what, what is it? Is it, is it? is it me? Is it you? Is that the goal that we should have for 2022? That, it, that it's something that's so good or so gifted in you or me that, that, that there's victory, there's, there's a conquering? No, it says specifically what gets this victory is our faith. Now, for some of us, that's a scary, scary statement. Because when we hear that, we go, I don't know some days if I believe strong enough. I don't know that some weeks my faith is strong enough because I don't see myself living out Jesus the way I know I really should. I see myself failing. Here's some good news. When it says that it's our faith that brings that victory, it doesn't mean how well you or I believe. It means that the object of our faith being Jesus, it is Jesus that gains that victory. It is Jesus that conquers sin, and it's only Jesus that can do that in our lives. That's why a love, intimate relationship with Jesus is so vital for our life to become joy as we really do obey, as we have that kind of close communion and fellowship with the Lord because of how he allows us, helps us, strengthens us, directs us, to live for him. And I say live for him. Um, that's even a dangerous statement. We, we really live with Jesus, right? It's for his glory. It's for his honor. But, but when, we, when we think of it in relational terms, if you ever catch me saying living for him, please feel free to remind me after the service, hey, hey, remember, Derek, you ch change that to live with him because it is a relationship. Now, just to make sure that we're right on, on Jesus being enough of my faith to bring victory, and, and it doesn't rely on me, let's, let's make sure. Verse 5, it checks us on that. Um, it, it says that um, that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is, the, um, who is the one who conquers the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's the proof right there in Scripture. That our conquering faith is based in not just your ability to handle situations, your great personality, um, my skills, my abilities, whatever that is. It, it is all because of who I believe in. So if you know right now, if, if where you sit, you know, you believe firmly that your trust is in Jesus Christ, if you, if you believe and you have confidence that you're saved, then, then goal number one, if it's not true yet, there is no good reason why it can't be. All, all of the responsibility of goal number one then is going to be initiated by what Jesus starts to really do in our lives as we open our hearts and minds to him. Okay? Here's, here's kind of the, the next step that we want to take. Let's, um, we're going to jump back over to chapter 2 in 1 John. Now, so we're, we're, we're now looking at it and saying, okay, um, if, if following Jesus is joy. Now, I do want to tell you this before we go into this next thing. That is not an immediate step, okay? So if you're thinking, okay, well, it, it, it doesn't feel like joy now. There's some things that I, I think I'm going to have to tackle if, if I'm really going to follow Jesus I don't know how great this feels right now. Um, it will be a journey. It will be a journey with the Lord. Um, on New Year's Day every year, uh, we go and eat, and I don't know if this is just a southern thing. I don't know how far spread this is, but we go and eat the traditional, this is going to be a good year meal. I don't know what you call it. 
um, but it's pork, black-eyed peas, collard greens, um, cornbread. Am I missing something? I know I washed it down with pecan pie. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. I, I do, uh, now, first of all, uh, and please understand this. I need you to know this. This is very important. That meal doesn't mean a thing. I know it's tradition. I know it's tradition. But the Bible doesn't go along with karma. You won't get money if you eat greens. I think I should be paid to eat them, but you don't get it, okay? Now, um, over the, uh, early in my life, you could not have forced me to eat collard greens. I eat them now a couple times a year. If they're cooked well, I don't like vinegar, but if they're cooked well, I eat them. In fact, I, got, I actually got two helpings because they were, they were good this past Saturday. Now, earlier in my life, I stayed at um, a daycare that's here in Greensboro, Sewell's Daycare, and um, they would fix us downstairs lunch, and one of the regular meals was a plate, and it was half collard greens and half pintos. We were children, okay? We were children. It was healthy, but we were children. So Jeff and Teresa, great couple, love them. They love the Lord. I've learned a lot about the Lord through the way they love people. Um, but they also showed me that sometimes loving isn't just giving you what you want. We had that meal one week uh, before we left to go to Skateland USA. I don't know why they put USA on that name, but it just sounds more powerful. Skateland USA. So I got there, and someone told on me that I did not eat my lunch. I don't know who that snitch was. Teresa sat me down um, where the booths were, and she told me, she said, you, you can't not eat, you're in trouble. But the thing is, she loved us. She really did. And she was more concerned that I was going to be hungry than just that I didn't eat the meal they fixed. So she went over to the counter and ordered me a grilled cheese, paid for it, brought it over, sat it down in front of me. And while I was in trouble, as she talked to me, she also fed me. Now, there's a long distance in my life between that day at Skateland and me eating greens on Saturday. There will be a, there will be a distance between, man, I don't think I can follow the Lord. I think this is too hard. I don't know that I even agree with this. And it is my joy. Okay? So let's set healthy expectations for where we can go with the Lord in one 12-month calendar year. But, but, but staying where we are is, is, is not the answer. Going somewhere is the strategy. Ch uh, chapter 2, verses um, 3 through 6. We're, we're looking at then, okay, we're going to start thinking about then, then, then what is this life look like? How do we figure some of this stuff out? How do we begin to piece this together? This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, this is a good connection. There's, there's some dots being connected. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. So in other words, if I say that I'm saved and I just stay the way I am, I'm not living in the truth of what Jesus is speaking about here through John. 
So, so I am a hypocrite. I am a liar. I, I am saying one thing but living another. And, and we know that people like that have frustrated us in our lives year after year after year. And we never want to see ourselves like that person. So, so this verse is starting to say, okay, self-awareness. We, 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 have to, we have to make sure that what we say is also the pursuit of our life. So, so how do we then begin to figure this out? But whoever keeps his word truly in him... The love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk, this is a key phrase, should walk just as he walked. When Jesus started calling his disciples and he went to some fishermen on a boat, what did he say? Two words, follow me. You remember this? Does sound familiar? Well, here's, here's the thing. For them, there was a literal follow me. That was a, okay, is he talking to us? Yeah, I think he's talking to us. Uh, he's walking away. What do we do? Drop the net. Follow him. Okay. Boom. They, they, they didn't know what they were even getting into yet. When, when Jesus goes by Matthew, when he's sitting in a tax collector's booth, he is not just walking away from a vocation. He's walking away from a mindset and a lifestyle that is sinful and is oppressing people for Jesus to say, hey, follow me. So, so before any of these people could get to being fishers of men and people that make disciples, they had to just simply just get up and go somewhere. So here would be, this is what would be great, right? If, if in the morning, every morning, Jesus would come in and say, hey, wake up. Hey, cutie. I don't think he would say that. But if he would just kind of say, hey, follow me. And we could literally get up and go learn some things functionally from watching him do them in front of us. That would be fantastic. But even that process is not foolproof. Read the life of the disciples in the Gospels. So how, how do we understand following Jesus in our context. It, it, it just told us in that last phrase, right? It just said that we should walk as he walks. So here's goal number two for this year. Um, goal number two is that we learn Jesus. That we learn Jesus. I would encourage you, if you're not in a, a group-oriented Bible study right now, a community group, as we begin to launch more D-Life groups, the first section of months, you will go through the Gospels together. You will read and talk about what God is speaking to you about, and it will be mirrored and shown and reflected from the life of Jesus. It will be phenomenal. It will be a, it will be a guaranteed process that with other people, you can really begin to know. And, and this year, I will learn Jesus. Because if we don't dissect his life, the information that we need to walk like him just won't be there. So you know what we're, we're left to work off of, right? For me, it's my best ideas. Not good enough. It's really not good enough. Goal number two has to be that we learn, we learn Jesus. Now, as we learn Jesus, that's going to give us a benchmark. It's going to give us a comparison. I know this is not new information, but, but please hang with me through this next point because this is, this is then, the, the, this is then the, the, the match to this. This is then the partnership that we need to make sure that if we, that if we learn Jesus, how do we begin then to, to make sure that we're not living that kind of life that says one thing, that, yeah, I belong to him, but then I live very differently. And, and, and 1 John wrestles with specifics of this. 1 John really wrestles well and shows the tension between um, how we can grow in Christ, but, but how the overflow of that is how we love people. In fact, it even says, if you say that you love people, but then you go and treat them like this, you're walking in darkness. The, the love of the Father is not in you. 
It, it wrestles with this idea of sin. Really, how prominent can sin be in our life and us still have confidence that we're saved? When, when, when I'm convicted of something, do, you know, what, what's the difference between walking in sin and falling into sin? Th- that's huge. That's critical for us to really see and understand what may be going on in our life. Let's go in, in chapter 3, 1 John. Um, this is going to kind of frame a goal for us, and then we're going to look at a little bit, of, um, a couple other things. Uh, verse 2 is where we're going to start. Dear friends, we are God's children now. All right, so you see how the language is kind of shifting through this? I, I love how I think the Lord has really laid this out for us. Because it's, it's, it's now not just talking about us, okay, you know him. It's, it's saying, hey, hey, you're his kids. So now it's kind of gearing us into, now, now how do I live not with just this relationship with the perfect and holy God, but, but, as, but as a father God? This has now got to seep into my life. Because if we're talking about a parent, then we're talking about somebody who's got to do some things with us, right? Teach us. Instruct us, dis, dis, uh, discipline us, right? Talk to us about how we underperform, but instill in us how much more we could do. Do all those things. It says, dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. I want to pause there for a second. Okay, so the Bible and the New Testament talks about salvation in three columns. I know we've talked about this before, but if, if you haven't been here long, I want to make sure that you understand this. It talks about salvation in three different perspectives. The first one is, is really when salvation begins. That's the moment from death to life. Then the Bible talks about how salvation is, is that we are being saved. Okay, that, that, That's the process of sanctification, that's being set apart, that's being purified, that's, that's having our, our walk become like Jesus. That's the process of our life. Now, then the Bible also talks about ultimately we will be saved, that will be completed. Now, that's the, the, that completion language, that's the kind of language that this is referring to when it says that when we see Jesus at his second coming, we're like everything we work for, we shoot for, in this upcoming year will be completed we will be like him. Like when we see Jesus, we'll be like him. We'll know what he knows. We'll be, we'll, we'll be in an eternal state of worship of the Lord, fellowship with each other. And, and, and that, will be, that will be when we as Christians are, are completed works. So what does that tell us about this life now? It, it, it's not, I think the pessimist side of me goes, well, it just means that I'm just kind of bent towards frustration. And that's, that, remember, if I keep that mindset, what's not happening? That, 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 that walking with Jesus is my joy. If, if I'm looking at it with a pessimist attitude, then, then I'm not going to see it as my joy. So how do I see it as my joy? That means that right now, there is much that needs to be done and can be done in my walk, in my life, through me in this world. And as we look at that, we have it, we have it framed. <clears throat> it, John says that, yes, that will be our future. And I think in some way, and it, he mentions this, Paul also mentions this, um, the, the early church was, was very mindful of this second coming of Jesus. Kind of this thing of, okay, there is a finish line that must be very close. And, and the danger of that sometimes, I think, is this. Okay, in our minds we go, okay, I've, I've gotten saved. I went from death to life. Eternity was secured. Ultimately, I'm going to be in heaven. And we get satisfied with just those two bookends. And we miss the value of everything in between. And this is what he addresses here about everything in between. Verse 3. 
And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So in other words, when, when I do learn Jesus, then this last goal, this goal number three becomes this. This process of purification requires something, that I also learn myself. That's our third goal for this year, that we will, we will have following Jesus as our joy, we will learn Jesus, but we will also take time to make sure that we learn ourselves. Now, when I say we learn ourselves, what are we talking about? I got to get to know me. I got to dig around. No, I, trust me, there, there's time for that. There's validity in that. I do counseling. I give counseling to other people. But this is not about just kind of discovering new hobbies and exploring, like, what I can do in my free time. This is about saying, okay, Lord, who, who am I? What, what do I see evidence of in my life? And there's some specific things that we see in Scripture. Um, uh, just a couple things of note. When you go into chapter 1 of 1 John, in verse 6, it, it, it talks about, um, it, it's, it's talking about not walking in darkness. Basically, if we, if we say that we belong to God and that if we choose sin, then we're not living in his light, we're living in darkness. And, and it says this in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. In other words, um, this thing about really knowing the Lord, having fellowship with him, if I say that it exists, but yet I, I continually choose sin, then I'm not telling the truth. It doesn't exist. That, that fellowship really isn't there. Until something then changes. Now, 1 John's also very, very to the point that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins as we confess those. That Jesus is always up to the work to call us, to draw us in, to work with those. And, and one of the ways that he works with those that, that John confesses on a couple of occasions is through the avenue of forgiveness. In other words, not holding it against you or me that that thing would stand between us and a close walk with the Lord. So here's a, here's a little bit of a workshop verse, or a couple verses. Uh, chapter 2, verse 15. Starts out this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that's a, that's a, that, that's a grown-up verse. Because we have some instruction at the first, but then we have reality that comes second. Did you catch the reality? It says that if we love the world, now remember, we're not talking about just the planet, like, right? You just, this verse does not say you should not love recycling. It, it's if, if, we, if we seek, if we choose, one of the things that, that 1 John really shows us is the difference between falling into sin and walking in sin. If sin wins in our life, if sin continually wins, we, we have to come to the Lord and really ask him to really clarify if, whether or not we have a relationship with him. As Christians, 1 John, he also wrestles with this, that we'll fall into sin. 1 John, it, he says clearly, if you say that you don't have sin, and he's talking about, in the, he's speaking in the present tense, which is, is it's, it's always the present tense, right? It's always now. And he says, if you say that you don't have sin, you're a liar. You ought to use that in parenting sometimes. Use that with your coworkers. When they do something you don't like, you know what? If you say that you don't have sin, you're a liar. Well, nobody wants to be a liar, so make them confess. So as, as, first John, as John wrestles with this in this first letter, these, first of, these three letters, these epistles that are at the end of the New Testament, we, we see that we are, we are going to have sin in our life. It can't be what wins in our life if we really belong to Christ. But this verse talks about this, this love, okay? So love not being a feeling 
because I think for most of us, we wouldn't, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't go around going, you know what, I just, I just love doing things that God doesn't want me to do. Remember, love's not a feel. It's not, I, I don't feel like I want to. But, but what's the functionality of my life? Am I actively doing things that Jesus would not do? That, that, that if I do those, I'm not imitating him. I'm, I'm imitating me. And if I'm pursuing those things, that's showing functional evidence that I, that I love the Lord. And, and the reality that, that this truth presents to us is, if I do that, the love of the Father is not in me. Now, we can hear that two ways. Here's the way Satan wants you to hear that. God doesn't love you. He's not really done anything in your life if you're doing what you're doing. That's the way Satan wants us to hear it because he wants us to push back from the Lord. What that verse is really saying there is this. If I'm really functionally loving the Lord, then there doesn't exist a functional love in me for the Lord. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. If I'm functionally loving the world, then there's not functionally a love in me for the Lord. I think I cleaned that up right. Did I get that? Some of you are nodding like, yeah, you got it right that time. You messed it up the first time. I told you the pressure today is just, I, this is all on me to screw up. Does that make sense? So, so that's, that's really the, the truth, the evidence here. As it continues, it says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. What does that mean? It means everything that the world promises us, everything that sin promises us will not hold true. You could go all the way back to the beginning on this. If you go back to Genesis, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life repeats itself. It is, it is, it is sin's strategy into us in, in the form of our desires all through Scripture. You go to the very first sin. Eve said, that fruit, it looked like it was good for food. That's lust of the flesh. It'll provide something for me. She says, and it looked good to eat. That's lust of the eyes. It means there's an awakening desire in me that's drawing me to this action. And then finally, what does she say? That, that, it, that it would offer wisdom. It's going to give me something I ultimately deserve. It's, it's going to show how special I am. Did any three of those things come out the way that that promise came across? Nope. Number one, she ate the fruit. It, it, yeah, it was good for food, but it didn't last. Hunger comes back. It, it, it looked like it was going to be good to eat, but, but the reality wasn't satisfying. It did give her wisdom, but it was everything she was never meant to know and she could never forget. The same three things is what Jesus faces in Luke 4. Go to Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. That was part of the original sermon for today. It gives us some specific things in the same three categories. Oh, it gets, it gets, in, it gets in our face. It talks about um, everything from um, us giving our lives to substances, right? That substances that seem to offer what we want, they offer me relaxation, they offer me release, they offer me all this stuff. Um, it, it also goes into sexual immorality. It, it's, it's the things about us that awaken our desires. It names specifics, but it's also in the same three general categories. It, it, then it ends with quarreling and jealousy. The things that really are aimed at, sinfully aimed at, me feeling like I am the most important one. And, and that is what sin will pursue. Now, the truth of God's word tells us here very clearly that those things won't fulfill us. They will pass away. They will not hold true. They will not get us to the place where ultimately we'll find satisfaction. Now, doesn't that seem crazy 
Doesn't that seem crazy? Because if we know, I mean, think about this with me. If we know we're not going to be satisfied, why would we pursue it? But I do. I do. But the alternative here, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. There's a different, there's a different perspective for us when we really grow in this truth. Um, in Romans 13, it offers, it, it's, it phrases, it, it, it says a few things that are so good, I think. Number one, it says this, it says, wake up. Um, most often times we deceive ourselves when it comes to sin. I read a story this past week that was creepy but hilarious and also disturbing about humans. You want to hear it? It's good. Some of you are like, no, I'm kind of nervous about this. Read this story. Um, now, I cannot tell you that this story is true, but the person who referenced this story, pretty rel- I mean, pretty doggone reliable source, so let's just assume it's true, okay? There's a lady that, um, as the story went, there was a lady who wanted to get a pet, um, lived by herself, but she wanted really an exotic pet. Shopped around, searched on the internet, talked to people. She settled on a boa constrictor. I think we know a lot about this lady already, okay? Not judging, but judging. Um, she settled on this boa constrictor. Had this boa constrictor a couple of years. Fed, I mean, took care of it, like, took it places, would show people. Um, a lot of times would have free reign in the house. After a couple of years, um, she started putting the, the boa constrictor, uh, she lived by herself, so she started putting it in the bed with her at night, and she slept with the snake. And she, you know, would, evidently told her friends that it just kind of, like it just made her feel safer. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. If I rolled up in a house, you would, I wouldn't have to get to the bedroom. If there's just a sign out front that says, beware of boa, <laughs> I'm out. I don't own pets with the word constrictor in it, okay? I own a Yorkie poo. Um, so she gets concerned because after a couple of weeks, she's noticed this boa constrictor has stopped eating. So she's worried. It's the only pet. I don't know the deal with boa constrictors. So she takes it to a vet, like vet that handles all kinds of animals, extreme things, exotic animals. She's not in there anytime. A couple little things. The vet says, okay, two things. First is snake is healthy. Don't worry about that. But um, we need to do something. She said, what do you mean? The vet says, well, the snake, because of what we know about them, what we've studied about them, I can tell you this with great reliability. The snake has started starving itself because it's preparing to eat you. Woo. Like, remember Squinch from a few weeks ago? Oh, Squinch, right? And... And, and, I mean, immediately, she's shocked into, I can't own this snake anymore. And we would say, duh, right? But, but I can tell you this, and I'll only speak for myself right now. I have figuratively laid down with sin beside me, thinking I was in full control, and it was almost like a pet to me, and I had full control over it. Maybe fearing, what if somebody found out about this? What would happen? But at the end of the day going, I got this. The kind of sins that it gets in our face about in Romans chapter 13. Right? And these are sins like when 
and, and, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to get personal with you, but, but if, if, we, if we give ourselves to substances that take control of our decision-making, as Christians, Holy Spirit can't be in lead decision-making, right? There, there's a difference between um, taking in some substance and taking in too much, and, and that's, a, that's a tough thing to figure out as a believer. Also, if, if, if you're in a relationship, and, and ladies, if, if you're convinced that the, that the guy you're married to is just never going to be wired to understand you, then, then Satan wants to convince you that there's somebody else that will. And just a few conversations won't, won't hurt because you'll be understood. Guys, he, he wants to tell us and he wants to convince us that, that you know, really the things that we look at and, and how many times we go there online, it's totally under control. There's a little fright in our mind about, well, what if somebody really found out what would they think of me? When in reality, it's stealing much more. That our attitudes towards other people, the, the attitudes that just make us want to feel right, are robbing us of even being able to love others. So we have to, in that sense, or well, as we learn ourselves, wake up. But that passage also says this. It tells us to, to, to not make a plan for evil desires. Uh, it, it, before we even get to sin... To, to make a strategy, an intentional strategy, as it says, to put on Jesus. To put on him. As we learn him, when we look for the three things the Bible keeps telling us over and over that we need so much, faith, hope, love, that all those things are grounded in promises and real life and all these things that Jesus wants to show us so that we can, in fact, live the life that this describes. Um, I did not plan in, in advance for this message, so I, I really didn't plan an ending. ending. So it's over. <laughs> Would you bow your heads for just a second? As we, as we seek to hear the Lord um, over the first few weeks of this year, um, and, we, and we only have... When our Sunday mornings really hit, we only have about 52 of these to do together. Um, I think it's always safe for us to start with ourselves before we even start looking out to others and, and connecting with others. And I, I really believe that the Lord has us on these three goals today. To have as a goal this year that, that following Jesus, living with him, obeying his commands, the evidence that we're really saved, living out um, for it to be our joy. And if we're not there yet to begin that journey. It will require us to learn Jesus and learn ourselves. If you, if you are ready to begin a relationship with him this morning, I would invite you to do what a gentleman did last week, which is just to come up during this invitation and us talk and pray. Um, as, he, as he received Christ last week, as he began his journey with him, and, and maybe this morning it's you. Maybe, maybe you're listening at home and you're just sitting there in your living room and, 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 it, and, it, and it's the prayer that is in your heart right now. It's the commitment that God is calling you to and you realize this is something God is doing because it's not us, it's not our works. Um, we, we just want to walk faithfully through life together because with these goals, we'll see in weeks to come that this, this is not safely best done alone. But man, there is a reality that God is wanting to wake us up to. And I've learned how quick weeks and months and years go 
So the, uh, the seriousness of not letting another one of those slip by without really seeing the mighty work of God and seeing all that he can show us and, and do through us, it's just, it's just not worth taking that risk that this, this year is going to be casual. This morning during the song, if you'd like to pray over any needs, please come up. But I, but I want you to know that being part of this church this year will mean we will, we will push and we will move and we will be here and we will love. And it is all for, because, and through Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done already this morning. Lord, help us to not insert ourselves in the front and in, in the middle and, and to be the biggest deal. But God, just in humility, begin now with, with consistency and everything that you give us, the grace, the sufficiency, the, the, the everything we need to, Lord, just live for you, with you. God, there's so many things that I, I know. I just, my heart is so full, God, of what you're just dealing with me over. Lord, I almost find it difficult to even really speak up on anyone else's behalf at this, this moment, God. And I pray that that's just, that's the reality and that's the, that, that, that is what you're doing in each of our hearts that are in this room and watching and, and a part of this, this gathering, this Sunday, this, this, this meeting time. Lord, we bring ourselves, our needs, everything about us, in the name of Jesus, to you. Father, let us hear you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?